Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. This video was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, Ahsoka wouldn't exist. Learn more about the strike at the link in the description. And he might or might not have green hair. <laughs> What's up everyone and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Our first question comes from Audrey and Ormapa and they ask, when in the timeline we think Ahsoka trained Sabine? Yeah, so... Sabine does mention at one point that she hasn't seen Ahsoka in years. So it's got to be at least two years before now, I think. But I want to guess that it happened after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, I, she probably had enough time to really grow her hair out nice and long. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the, the answer is nobody knows yet. Maybe we'll find out. But... I'm I'm still kind of assuming that Ahsoka didn't make it back to the known galaxy until after most of the Galactic Civil War was over. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I'm just going to assume that she was stuck on Malachor or there was some world between worlds weirdness yeah. and she got popped back out <laughs> after Return of the Jedi. It, it would be curious to know just so that we know the state of the galaxy for when she de she decided to start training her. And I'm curious to know how they came to start doing that at all, because rewatching Rebels, it's like they I don't even know if they said a word to one another. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if they shared any actual scenes together until the end. <laughs> yeah, it's just that they're kind of bound by this promise to find Ezra. Ahsoka said she promised she would find him when she got back to the the real world outside of the world between worlds and i'm like oh ahsoka you had no idea <laughs> what you were signing up for yeah like hera was probably so much more involved in you know being a general being a mother uh yeah. and that sucks for sabine because she probably had a lot of her time elsewhere and... stupid jason <laughs> <laughs> well I, you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. sabine probably felt really left out and then you know, she might have been thinking a lot about her very brief training that she got from Kanan, just with the Darksaber, and thinking of wanting to go back to that. Yeah. I'm hopeful that we get the answers. If it's not in the series, then this feels like a great YA book or something to, to have written at some point. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess that they started training sometime after Return of the Jedi or the Battle of Jakku. And it probably didn't last super long. 
and then Ahsoka goes off for two or three years, and now she's back, mm. and they're they're picking things back up. Natalie Franchini and Spider-Man of Earth 1218 want to know Sabine's cat's name and who will take care of it while she's away. Uh, I'm going to say that she named the cat Zeb. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I think it would be something simple like, Mr. Fuzzy, or mm. I, I immediately thought of Sir Pounce because that's <laughs> the name of one of the cats from Game of Thrones that I've always loved. Um, I don't know. I For Do, some reason... It's got to have a name, right? She wouldn't just... I assume so. She doesn't just call it cat or loath cat or anything <laughs> cat. like that. Uh, but for some reason, just the way that she would tease Zeb and Ezra on the ghost and rebels, like when she painted that picture of them in their bunk... I, that something about that just made me laugh that she might name it after Zeb or Ezra, but Zeb I think specifically would get mad about that. <laughs> and that's that's building off of the mural too, where everyone looks basically like themselves and Zeb looks so goofy. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe she's just constantly doing stuff like that to rile him up. Mm. I always like when people name their cats just like very uh, standard person names mm. maybe its name is like steven or something <laughs> well you gotta have like a a star wars normal name so bail that's a that's a common one antilles yeah <laughs> uh as for who's gonna feed it i like your theory on this oh i mean yeah it, it, first of all i do think that they should have gotten the cat and brought it with them i was very sad to see that they didn't uh, maybe they did off camera and it'll be a surprise. The cat is a stowaway. Yeah. It'll show up. I, I would love that. But I think it's probably just a, a wild cat that she would sometimes feed. If if you've ever had outs, outside cats, you would know that sometimes they're not around to get fed and they just like go off and do their own thing, find their own food. Um, but then they know that there will be food here as long as you're here. Yeah. I, like, I just figure she's living out at this big communications tower. It's away from the city. Lothcats are wild there. So one probably just wandered up and she gave it some scraps and it, it decided to stick around. Like, obviously she has food for it, but she doesn't necessarily have to be the only source of food for it. And she just leaves the door open and it runs around and it, it eats whatever it <laughs> wants. It hunts loath mice and loath rats. What if she named it like Chopper 2.0? Chopper's a good one too. That's a good name for but, it. But 2.0, yeah. just to make Chopper mad. Yeah, <laughs> the new and improved Chopper. <laughs> Zacharias asks how Morgan's ancient map can lead to Thrawn. I have a theory about this. It's a stretch, but I think that because we see Thrawn's galaxy, wherever he is, uh, it's surrounded by Pergil. So... I think that Morgan knows how and why Thrawn disappeared, that Pergil were involved, and so she's following up on this trail that maybe that's where the Pergil came from originally. And so she's like, well, let's just go check their homeworld. Mm. She's acting very confident about it, but I'm going to assume she's making this up as she goes, and they're, they're going to just follow the Pergil, like they did in Star Wars Rebels. That was a line when they introduce the Pergil. It's just like, hey, follow them. They know where they're going. So I, I think that it's maybe just a hunch that Elsbeth has. Yeah, I do find it interesting. We talked about this a little bit on the live stream. Um, but if the 
Night Sisters knew about the Pergil, if they like studied them and they knew where they could travel to, that would be a cool addition to the story as well and would tie in with if this is an ancient Night Sister map, then it would tie in with like them tracking the Pergil to wherever this place is. Yeah. And we have this reflex point, these ruins, and I don't know that that's like specifically to get you from there to Thrawn's galaxy or, you know, that star map had lots of galaxies on it. So it might be, depending on where it is in orbit or something, it might point the way to several different locations. Um, But this is a question that I'm like, I'm not super confident we're going to get an answer on this Mm. because... You know, Star Wars has a lot of secret maps to secret people, and you got to do this to find Luke Skywalker or find the Emperor, and this blade magically, like, has the outline of specifically where in the Death Star ruins you need to go, and, like, how did R2 have the missing piece to the larger map, and they've made up answers for all of these things after the fact, but in the movies themselves, it was just kind of like we needed a way to get there so we made up this map mm-hmm. so i'm kind of expecting that that's gonna be all we get for now and we'll just have to do some theory crafting like say oh there's a circle of pergil so i guess they have some information she could also just be like tricking everyone into going to this place that thrawn is not even at i mean yeah okay there is that too that she is getting whispers from Thrawn. Someone is communicating to her. And so if they're like, hey, Elsbeth, go check out that ancient map mm-hmm. and go like use it to go to this specific point, which I do think that's where Thrawn is going to be. But I wonder if something else is pulling strings here because I do not think those whispers were Thrawn. Yeah, I saw someone say that it was Ezra prank calling her. <laughs> yeah, just send her out into the middle of nowhere. He's going to be like, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Luminous Being wants to know our thoughts on the Emperor and Thrawn potentially building super weapons to fight something worse. Basically, are they like anti-heroes that were trying to protect the galaxy? Uh, that that was kind of a rationalization, not that they were anti-heroes, but... The rationalization for all of the super weapons that we saw in Star Wars Legends was because the Yuuzhan Vong were coming, and so Palpatine wanted to be ready. But it's not like he was doing that to protect his citizens that he loved so much. He wanted to protect his power, mm-hmm. and he was terrible to his people to do that. Like, it, it just doesn't add up. They're not heroes in any sense of the word no they're they're not good (laughs) yeah i mean think of all of the places that got devastated with them mining kyber and the uh the factories and the the places that we see in andor all of them building the same things every day for the death star like he just like ruined people's lives to build this super weapon it's not to protect it's it's like, oh, I need something bigger and more powerful than this other thing. Yeah. He's keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Vong over yeah. there. It's like they have some serious weapons, so I need some serious weapons. But yeah, it, just because there is something worse out there doesn't give you permission to be like almost as bad. And you're just like, well, at least I'm not that. It's like, 
no, that's not how it works. If he actually wanted to be a hero, then he would have work together with people <laughs> instead of just subjugating them completely mm. and I, I know people are gonna be mad about Thrawn now because I said he's not a hero and I'm like he's again not he started with good intentions and good motivations to protect the Chiss ascendancy that is an understandable motivation but his actions to achieve that goal are not good they're not heroic and so just because you understand them it's kind of like Thanos People were mm -hmm. like, oh, well, Thanos has some points after watching Infinity War. And I'm like, maybe, but it doesn't excuse killing half of the universe. Yeah, that's a good parallel, too, because I didn't know who Thanos was at all when he showed up uh, in whatever movie it was at the end. It was just like the first Avengers, some big purple guy. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that'll be people's Thrawn for some for some people who don't know what Thrawn is they'll be like who's that oh uh, yeah I mean people have been comparing Thrawn to Thanos for a while because I think we're all just assuming not everyone but I'm assuming that he will be the big bad of these shows that are going to culminate in a movie mm -hmm. um, I, I figure that's who Thrawn will be framed citizen asks how we compare Ahsoka's premiere to the other live action premieres I think it was maybe my second favorite premiere and honestly i think my first favorite premiere of all the shows was the mandalorian mm. uh i mean that part of that is just the experience of it's the first live action star wars show sitting down like right when it came out and we we're just in the dark and getting to that end point with baby yoda was such a fun reveal it was such a really fun way to jump into that side of star wars and streaming and television um andor as a three-part opener i really really love but if we had only seen the first episode i i think i would have been confused i don't know how i would have felt about just that one episode yeah i just for the first one i would have been not necessarily confused but just it would have left me hanging you know right. it, you're like okay but I need more context to, to care about what's going on here. Um, I, I really liked this premiere. I think it was on par with some of the other premieres, but it's hard to compare them because there was some new stuff, yes, but for, you know, Rebels fans, we're, we kind of like know the gist of what's going to happen and we already know these characters, so... In that way, it was kind of like not quite as exciting because we knew who these characters are already. Balin and Shin were excited. Like they mm -hmm. were an exciting addition to add into the mix. There, as, well as, okay. as well as um, Morgan being officially called a night yeah. sister. Like that was very exciting. There's definitely an element of that for me where we, when we got to the end of episode two, I was like, yes, like now I'm really hyped. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed episodes one and two, but... Now that we are on the mission and we've caught up to the Rebels epilogue, uh, I I'm even more psyched. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, they got us through everything that we had kind of been expecting. So now it's kind of, okay, everywhere from this point on is going to be brand new story mm -hmm. for us. So yeah, I, it's up there definitely with Mando season one premiere. Um, I don't know. Really? It's like... Uh, 
I, I'm struggling to think of a, a series premiere that I didn't enjoy. I really like the first episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. Um, they're all landing pretty well for me. I, I enjoy all of the setup, uh, but I, I'm I'm feeling Andor vibes in the sense that it's a strong start. I liked everything that was established, and I'm hoping that I will continue to like it more and more each week as the story continues to evolve like I did with Andor. Yeah, the more I think about Ahsoka's premiere and like how it just sets everything up almost like an Indiana Jones movie, uh, <laughs> it, it does get me really, really excited and super hyped for, for the rest of the series. So it might be maybe my top or second favorite premiere ever. Ever? Ever. Ever for anything? No, just for Star Wars. <laughs> Terry Bradford wants to know if we think Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars are required viewing before seeing Ahsoka. At the time of recording this, I have yet to visit my parents for lunch. Uh, and that is going to be my real indicator to see, okay, you watched the episodes. Did you follow it? Well, hold on. I mean, your parents have a lot of questions about about like everything. everything. <laughs> so I don't know that they're the best. Well, that's what I'm going to say. If, if they so, walk away from Ahsoka and they're like, we understood all of it, sure. I'll be like, then they crushed this. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the thing is, I feel like we are way too deep to make that judgment call. I think that they did a good job of explaining what you need to know about Ezra and Ahsoka and all these characters and their relationships. And I think they're going to continue to inform the audience. But I know too much. So... I, I don't know if there are people who are lost without it. Another issue with using your parents as this benchmark, they wouldn't watch these shows if it weren't for us and what we do. Also true. So they're probably, they go into some of these shows expecting to have you answer all their questions. That is true. So <laughs> there's that. But for me personally, I don't think you need to have seen anything before this. I think they do a really good job setting everything up putting the the right characters in the right place to to basically know the motivations but i mean it's definitely going to help it's going to make mm -hmm. things a little bit more enjoyable to be able to connect the dots if you go back and watch specifically rebels i don't think clone wars is any of clone wars is really necessary viewing for this yeah i mean again i i think that they're all equally as important, especially the last couple seasons for Ahsoka's story. And I, I think they're probably going to talk about what happened to her, why she walked away from the Order. They're starting to get into that. Rebels does seem to be more of the required, if I were going to rank them. Um, but I, I think that they're doing a good job without needing it. I've seen a lot of people online saying they want the extra context, and... Like you said, it might be more enjoyable. I like the word rewarding. Mm -hmm. Kind of like reading The High Republic is you don't have to read everything to get the gist of the full story. But reading them all, they connect very well and it, it feels rewarding. So I do think that this is going to be a series that really rewards the people who spent time watching Star Wars animation. But 
on the flip side, I think it could serve as a gateway for people who are like, oh, that was a fun series, and I would like to know what happened to all these characters beforehand. Yeah. I guess it depends on where Ahsoka specifically, where her story goes going forward, because like, if, if they get into certain parts of her past in regards to the Clone Wars, then I'll say like, yeah, it might have helped to have seen this arc or this arc, and I kind of feel like when she finally gets to meet Balin, that conversation will go into why she left the Order because mm. they both can bond over the fact that they left the Jedi for whatever reason. Um, They're just going to be fighting and <laughs> having a full-on conversation at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it, she left the Jedi and is still out doing Jedi things and, and being a good person. He left the Jedi or survived... Uh, order 66 whatever and he's not doing good things and so i'm excited for them to have a little chat yeah about that and i think you're right it is a little too early to call <laughs> we need to see the rest of the series and what they talk about what they don't i i think that dave filoni has gone into this knowing that he wants to reward people who have seen rebels in the clone wars but also knowing that he needs to try to make it accessible for the the people who've never done that. I've also seen, you know, the usual complaints of like, oh, I shouldn't have to watch this or that uh, to understand this specific show. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how long that argument can hold up in a universe like Star Wars, where this is very clearly a follow up from shows that came before. And I think they did a pretty good job of talking about that and showing Ahsoka and the animated stuff in the build-up and being like, this character's been around in live action since 2020. You had time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you knew who she was, but you just didn't want to watch the thing, and that's fine. Yeah, because you don't have to. Yeah, that's... and I don't think you do. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me think of when legends content well back then it wasn't called legends but when books and comics started coming out for star wars during the original trilogy was anyone looking at those and being like oh, i gotta read all these <laughs> to understand the next movie great because you don't yeah you don't and honestly i think back then reading splendors of the mind's eye that might have made you more confused <laughs> watching, re reading that or the the Marvel comics. Like I love the story of Kevin Scott. He loves Jackson and read all the Marvel comics and then was disappointed when Jackson wasn't in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, but yeah, it's like not, nothing in Star Wars is ever, people treat it like homework and it's like, it's just there for you to enjoy if you want it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden when something comes out that's like, and we're going to, involve this stuff from previous stories then all of a sudden people are like up in arms that mm -hmm. Ugh, i have to do homework and like i don't know it's, that bugs me it's hard because if you know so much more context is out there you're gonna be tempted to to feel obligated to look into that before moving on to the next thing and like i feel like that sometimes with books or like the high republic books if i skip one or if I don't read one of the young adult or young reader books, is the rest of it going to make sense? And the answer is yes. It just, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on something. 
but mm. and i get that and there there are a ton of stories it's impossible to keep up almost especially like this is our full-time thing and it's still hard when just like a wave of books come out mm -hmm. that that happened a couple weeks ago where I, I was like reading book after book after book and trying to keep up myself so i know there's a lot but i i don't think any of it is required i guess it's yeah maybe just that sense of fomo that mm -hmm. like oh i wish i knew more it's like when a new superhero shows up in dc or marvel they've existed forever mm -hmm. on page but people can still go to the theater or turn on disney plus and watch whatever thing it is that they're in and probably understand their motivations and how they're gonna play into the story going forward they don't have to read their whole wikipedia entry about who they are what they're capable of all that stuff yeah it's a good point nerdy sub asks if sabine could train jason sandula at the end of the series i don't hate that idea if we're going to continue on the, in the marketing they made it very clear that sabine is now part of this legacy of qui-gon training obi-wan training anakin mm -hmm. training ahsoka training sabine so if Sabine wound up training someone, I don't think it's going to be at the end of this season or anything, but maybe eventually Sabine would feel comfortable training her, her little nephew. Yeah, I guess it depends on what Jason wants to do. Also that. I mean, we do know for sure he's force sensitive. They, I guess we can't say that, but in Sabine's narration in the epilogue, she said something along the lines of he was a pilot like his mother and we all know what his father was like so it just mm. seems like they're hinting that he can use the force and the fact that it's sabine narrating that epilogue i don't know there could be a little connection there just that yeah. i know that he can use the force and one day i will train him or something like that i do think that would be cute um i, I gotta meet jason first we know literally nothing about this kid except he might be in the show because of some Lego set leaks. And he, yeah, he's Kanan and Hera's son. And he might or might not have green hair. <laughs> but I, I got to know more about him because he's, what, nine or ten at this point? Which yeah. isn't too old. You know, Anakin was nine when he went off with Obi-Wan. I feel like the Jedi of this generation can't be that picky. Right. We're too old? Uh, how old? Uh, nine, whatever. <laughs> Luke was 19. Who cares? And we also don't know what Jason's been doing. Has he been training with someone? Has he been off at, at Jedi camp somewhere? It's one of those things where every time Hera popped up in a story in the Alphabet Squadron books or Star Wars Squadrons, like, I, everyone's checking every corner and reading in between the lines to be like, where's Jason? And I assume it's because he he was left out of stories because there were plans for him. Mm. And we're probably going to start to see them unfold. But uh, I'm I'm the same way. I'm like, I would like to see the the child, not, not the baby, but <laughs> I would like to see this child now. Yeah. Where has he been? I know Hera's a good mother. We all know that. Like... I'm excited to see their <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. And yeah, like, again, he might not want to train to be a Jedi. Just, he might want to be a pilot. I just had a thought. I wonder if they're going to recreate another shot from the Rebels epilogue, that shot of them in the cockpit 
they're flying through clouds and stuff. And there is one trailer shot that oh, I yeah, saw. Oh, yeah, where he's... With the ghost. What, Someone's in this, the, co- the co- cockpit? Yeah. Co-pilot seat. <laughs> there's that, but also there's a shot of the ghost flying with the T-6 shuttle in clouds. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, maybe that's that same shot. And we'll we'll see Jason being like, yay, I finally <laughs> get to go on adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're talking about force sensitive people let's go with the force card we're, we're doing the star wars conversation cards we forgot to do one last week but uh we got this pack of conversation cards and we thought it would be fun to keep oh. including them in our q a this we've definitely talked about this before this is a pretty deep one. Oh no do you think anakin skywalker was the chosen one who brought balance to the force why or why not oh yes oh fine done check that one off uh i think that he was a chosen one i would say he he was the chosen one of prophecy if george lucas is going to set up a prophecy about anakin i think he was clearly pointing us to what happens in return of the jedi Mm -hmm. we also see what happens on mortis where he can control both the daughter and the son uh and and keep them in balance like the father wanted before they all died but I, I would just agree with what I think George Lucas was saying is that Anakin was the chosen one for that prophecy. I also think that there are other chosen ones. The Force chooses people throughout the whole timeline. Yeah, I, I think he was also the chosen one. It was it, Like you said, George laid it out pretty clearly. Whether or not... Anakin brought balance to the force in the way that the prophecy said. Right. That's a different story. He kind of went oh, over well, here. Well, he got there eventually. Then... <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those family circus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cartoons. We got there. It was just it took a while. And yeah, he did destroy the Sith for a time, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Palpatine was still out there, but I think that his actions led to the destruction of the Sith. I think he did bring balance to the force for a time. So, you know, the prophecy didn't say he'll destroy the Sith and bring balance to the force forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Who are, I mean, who are the other candidates for the chosen one? Luke? I get, I mean, that's what Yoda and Obi-Wan, I think they thought that, mm-hmm. um, Jason Sandula is the Sindula, real for sure chosen one. Is the chosen okay? You you've already changed my mind on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't really think there are any other candidates that really fit that. I guess you could argue that Ray destroyed the Sith once and for all and mm-hmm. brought balance again. But the Sith might come back. Like that. This is why I when even when I was twelve and they brought up this prophecy, I was like. I don't know about this. Mm. I just, I I think it's odd that Anakin, Darth Vader, you can watch him through the original trilogy and then you can watch him in the prequels and he just gets more and more important. Originally, he was basically just a stronger stormtrooper like Captain Phasma in A New Hope and then he's in charge of the Imperial Navy and then he's uh, the Emperor's right-hand man and like apprentice of the Sith. And then he's got this prophecy and it just kept getting bigger and more out of control. I'm like, at one point, he was just a dude. He was yeah. just a Jedi that fell to the dark side. Just a dude. But he's <laughs> just some bloke. <laughs> but yeah, I do think oh. 
that he is the chosen one of prophecy. They both came in oh at the my same goodness. Is time. It, is it dinner time? <laughs> Hi. That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching and may the force be with you. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.